This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Hi, my name is Peter Tomasi. Hi, this is James Hyman IV. Hi, I'm Dan Jurgen. Hey, I'm Duffy Wynn. This is Jim Lee. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Mark Hamill speaking. This is Kevin Conroy. This is Tim Sale. Hello, everyone. I'm Batman, and you're listening to my podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, Season 12, Episode 24. I'm your host, Ian, and with me I have... This is Steph. And this is Theo. Today, for our intro, I just wanted to let every one of our hosts pump one item that they think you should check out this week. Well, I didn't read too many comics this week, but I did watch uh, the anime... Promised Neverland. Which I'd seen a lot about. And it was slightly overrated. It was good. There was nothing bad to say about it other than, um, spoiler, it's about man or child eating monsters. <laughs> and the children don't want to get eaten by the monsters, which I didn't know when I started watching it. So that was a little bit of a shock. But it was good. It was well, good. I, I applaud it. these children for their sensible take on not being eaten. Yeah. Yes, I agree. So I just finished up um the first volume of Adventure Man by Matt Fraction. Uh, started out, it's on Image Comics, uh, started out with a bang, the first two issues, but the final two were kind of lackluster. Um, still something I would probably recommend, uh, especially considering the last issue, and, it's, and, and each volume is only four issues, uh, but the last issue ended kind of on a cliffhanger. So hopefully, even though it was lackluster, that uh, issue one of volume two uh, will correct course for the title. So that's what I just finished up reading. And I want to plug for the last time Hawkman by Robert Vendetti, drawn by Fernando Pazzo and colored by Jeremy Cox. It is a fantastic series. This is the end of the series. Definitely check out the first three trades which are out and look at getting the last trade because it reads really well altogether. Um, it's just a great little comic that I never thought I would really get into, and I love it. So that's well, my one thing. Was that the same artist that took over after Hitch got off? Uh, no. So that Hitch did for the first 12, and then Pat right. O'Leaf did the next like 10 or so. And then Fernando Pazran did the last, uh, like, ten as well. Gotcha. And there was, like, five fill-ins. But, yeah. I mean, Pazran did um, the last year of Deathstroke with, um, actually, the last year and a half of Deathstroke with Priest. So he's a very familiar artist to me. Um, we got a me little too. bit of news. A big, exciting announcement about DC's structure in that Marie Javins, who was previously the editor for the Justice League group, and then she shared managing editor duties with uh, another person, is now the editor-in-chief of DC Comics. Um, Marie Javins has been working in comics, both Marvel and DC, for a very long time. She's very well-liked in the industry, and she first started working in a major editorial capacity for DC when she took over the Convergence job. She did she edited every book in that line, which is pretty impressive given how short the time frame was. And she's been working on various projects with DC since then. So this is pretty cool. Um, I have to admit that I'm not the biggest fan of what she's done with Justice League, but that's mostly because I don't like what Scott Snyder's doing on Justice League. And... I think she's done a good job of getting everything out on time and getting lots of creators to work together on that. We'll have to see what kind of instinct she has if she'll try to make really 
the kind of choices that marked Dan Didio's 16 years as editor-in-chief and then publisher, um, or if she'll be similar to what I hope, uh, which is, of course, Danny O'Neill. I hope that she really focuses on that kind of atmosphere and that kind of creative choice that takes risks but isn't interested in senselessly annoying fans. And I, and I would guess this role as editor-in-chief is, is more in line with how things are at Marvel with CB uh, being the EIC and not as uh, Dan Didio having the publisher title, which was technically the uh, the EIC. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're correct. It is uh, Bob Harris technically was the editor in chief for the last five to six years, but he. But nobody knew what he did. Exactly. He never did any statements, he never did any conversations or promotional stuff. He never. He was not accessible in the way that DDO was. And DDO was clearly driving the ship because he would talk about stuff that he made decisions on. And of course, the more we find out about stuff, the more we know that he really was functioning as an editor in chief. So I, I'm hopeful. Uh, I also hope that she is able to work with Jim Lee to really promote the comics and be an ambassador to the fans. But of course, I also want her to focus on getting the the highest quality comics out. And there's definitely some things. I mean, I've seen it'd be nice if they worked on their flow so their typos and continuity errors and editor's notes were a little less necessary. Well, I, I'm hoping that this stabilizes the the structure at DC now, you know, I, I know I mentioned on the Discord how, you know, because she's going to be reporting to this general manager that AT&T Warner Brothers just brought on. So it seems as if nobody reports to Jim Lee in the DC structure. So however they're doing it, I hope it's destabilizes and um smooth things out and we get a nice sailing ship again over at DC. I agree. And I like Jim Lee, but I think he really is better as a a hype man and a guy who can form relationships with other artists and creators rather than necessarily someone who's trying to make the kind of general business decisions or determine sh- uh, the direction of the line or the direction of the storytelling type stuff. I think Javins has more experience in that kind of thing. And Daniel Cherry um, who's the general manager, has a lot of experience of being really business-focused, which I think would be great if DC could really become a much more successful business instead of sort of feeling like they're number two all the time. They could really make a statement that they're a comic force to be reckoned with rather than that number two company. So that'd be great, and I think Javins and Cherry have a lot of potential. Uh, the only other news item I've got is Detective Comics number 27, the first appearance of Batman. One of the copies recently sold for $850,000. So we only have $150,000 to go before it sells for a million dollars. Oh my goodness. And even at a million, it still wouldn't be more than uh, Action Comics number one. I think that's, <laughs> I think that's, I think that's so 1.5. I think that's still the oh record. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it was like 1.3, 1.5 that the action sold for. I'm still really curious about who's paying for these comics. I know. If I had the money to buy Detective Comics number 27, I would. And then you should uh, tell them what you were talking about before we started recording. What would you oh, do with that? That sucker would be buried with me. I'm sorry. <laughs> the, the rest of my collection can go to charity, go to my granddaughter's college fund, all that other good stuff. But Tech will return to dust with me. Sorry. <laughs> and I will haunt whoever. Uh, <laughs> if any grave robber decides to. <laughs> okay. Last thing I want to do before we get into our reviews today. Uh, Punchline One Shot came out today, written by James Tynan IV and Sam Johns, art by Mirka and Dolfo. And I don't want to do a big review of it, but I did want to get my co-hosts and my reactions to it because it is a prologue to the next year of Batman stories because Tynan's going to be using Punchline in his stories as a major plotline. So what do you think? Okay, I kind of I skimmed most of it because half the stinking comic was just her transcript from her podcast and I didn't really have the patience to sit there and read it all because that, that was a lot of words. So I glazed over it a lot and I did have 
an emotional reaction, but it was to what's what's Harper's brother name? Parker? Colin. 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 When Cullen was holding Cullen. hands with that dude he met online at the rally, I, I actually had a pretty visceral reaction, kind of like when a guy is dating a girl that's too young or something like that. Is like, you met this guy online and he shared a sketchy podcast with you and now he's taking you to a sketchy cult and you should probably run away. <laughs> so but that, I don't know, that was really the only reaction I had. That and since when is Leslie Tompkins a psychoanalyst and why is her well, psychoanalysis admissible in court but whatever. to be fair Tynan has been pushing leslie as a as a therapist um since his detective comics run like that was the mm. second arc he had leslie uh trying to do therapy with uh steph in the victim syndicate still whatever <laughs> that's all i felt about it really so steph don't feel bad you are not the only one that <laughs> skipped the the podcast panels and I, we both probably regret it because there's probably a lot of stuff that we probably um, needed to know but probably it was yeah. mostly mood filler like okay it was but nicely written but it wasn't plot stuff oh really? good. that's good that's good to Look, know. there was so much it. <laughs> i mean it, it was easily half of the issue it's easy easy but the, the for me the best thing about the one shot was merc andolfo i've always been a fan of hers uh, so I absolutely love the way she draws. Um, but two words, Harper Row. <laughs> Those are three words. <laughs> <laughs> okay. She wasn't bad. I mean, she was uh, really shoehorned in. Like, I don't even hate yeah. Harper, and I felt she was unnecessary. It, 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 it it felt like, again, one of those issues where one of these characters that really has no place was just really kind of forced on on the readers, you know. And now what that means is we're going to have to deal with Harper at some point in the main bad title since, you know, the trial is going to be a part of the story, you know moving forward in 2021 i'm i'm just i'm just not a fan of of these characters that were created just for the sake of creating characters um and harper is probably my least favorite i would take duke thomas before i would take harper um and and any other thing i'm i've i've never been a fan of just like i'm not a fan of agent up john ken i'm not a fan of the agent alfred and leslie tompkins because i mean in that issue and i know she's probably older but she looked no more than maybe 10 years older than bruce or so she looked she gets fair, younger every issue she looked fairly young to say you know what her history in the Batman universe has been, and mm-hmm. I'm 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 not a fan of that either. But we'll see what JT does with it, and um, you know, can't avoid it since it's going to be since this trial is going to be a part of the main title come 2021. I have a soft spot for Harper because there's not enough people with purple hair in the Batman universe. And I think the happiest I've ever been was when I had purple hair. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? I think that's correlation, not causation, though. <laughs> that's true. All right. So my take on this is maybe a little bit more positive, but not much. Um, <laughs> I don't hate Harper, but I do. She really did feel sort of awkwardly spliced in here. Like it didn't feel organic the way that they did it, especially having her be Bluebird again. Um, and I'm still salty that Duke is Signal and not Lark. Signal's such a stupid name. <laughs> Lark is cool. All birds. Um, exactly. Stupid um, is awesome. And then I liked the podcast stuff because I did read it. Um, but I, I do think that this really felt like a really long first it should have been a first couple of pages to a story because it's it's all beginning. It doesn't 
have a real conflict that even comes to a head in this. And I understand it's supposed to be a prologue, but I don't. It's a whole issue, and it's an oversized one, so it's more expensive. And I, I kind of wish we'd gotten a whole story in the issue. Mm. Um, and I, I could think of ways that you could structure it. You could have, you know, Harper tracking down a clown, and in the background you have, you know, Cullen being radicalized, and you could still end at the same place, seeing him at the, the, the punchline rally at her trial. But you know, you could actually have her stopping a minor villain. So it has like a beginning, middle and end. So it feel more like its own story as well as building to something, if that makes sense. Cullen, Cullen could have been any other guy in Gotham city. I think Cullen was used as an excuse to bring Harper in. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You're not <laughs> wrong. I just don't see why it's I bad know. to do that. Because the character stuck. <laughs> oh, I, I don't mind Cullen. I, I said I don't mind Cullen or Harper. Um, I do see the frustration with them because, and I do, I do think that especially Harper is shoehorned in here because she's not used well at all. But I, I like the fact that, and I said this in my review of the um, the punchline origin in the Joker 80th. I really like the fact that this is a story about young people being radicalized, and it's done in a way that really doesn't condemn any current issue. Like, it's not trying to take a side. You can definitely see connections to current social trends, but it's it's very believable, but it's not preachy to me. It doesn't feel preachy. And I'm pretty sure I come from a different philosophical perspective than Sam Johns and James Tynan IV. So I appreciate that they're trying to tell a universal story that does say true things about you know, stuff that's going on in our culture without trying to be, you know, trying to divide us further by saying, well, no, only good people are concerned about this. And if you don't have a problem with this, well, you're a bad person. No, I think that this is something we can come together on is people becoming radicalized and hating each other, you know, on any side of any issue. So I still really appreciate that part of the punchline story. And I'm glad that that was a reasonably well handled thing in this issue. And I would also echo uh, Theo, that Merck and Dolphin does a great job with the art. It's a very striking comic. Still a lot of words. <laughs> it is a lot of words. And I, I am, I'm deadly serious when I say I don't like the fact that it feels like it's all beginning. I don't like that we're expected to buy a comic that doesn't have a beginning, middle, and end. This, this was the type of stuff that you could probably, that could probably be backstories at the end of Oh, yeah, the punchline backup in Batman. Why not do that? Yep. Um, okay. One podcast summary every episode. <laughs> oh, Steph is so brutal. <laughs> um, all right, so let's get to our main reviews, and we'll start, as usual, with Batman. I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Batman. Batman number 102. Written by James Tynan IV, drawn by Carlo Pagulayan and Carlos Danda, colored by Tomu More. Ghostmaker tortures police officers in a skyscraper construction zone to find the location of Clown Hunter. Meanwhile, Batman investigates a high concentration of Grinners, long-term, repeated Joker henchmen, while Oracle helps on comms and surveillance. Batman realizes that Ghostmaker is sending a message with a pile of dead clown henchmen and tells Oracle he has to deal with this problem alone because it's personal. Many years ago, in Ireland, a young Bruce Wayne demands that a Dublin knife fighter teach him, but a young Ghostmaker, having already killed their shared former master in Morocco, forces Bruce into deadly combat for their next teacher and seems... To be winning. In Little Santa Prisca, a Harley Quinn bargains for a new apartment as Clown Hunter watches, planning to kill her. However, Ghostmaker attacks Clown Hunter, who is only saved when Batman arrives. Ghostmaker challenges Batman to another sadistic trial by combat, but this time for all of Gotham City. So, 
What are our initial reactions to Batman number 102? Um, the art was really cool. And I guess I like where the story is going. I'm a little confused. And I think it's supposed to be confusing uh, what Clown Hunter's like relationship with Batman is. <laughs> because he's still doing his vigilanteism, but he shouldn't be. And Batman doesn't want to hurt him because he's a kid. I don't know. It's confusing, but I like that. It makes it a little more morally conundrous. Is that a word? Anyway, it was fine. It was good. I really liked the art. I was kind of, whenever someone with an accent comes in, I kind of want to do the accent. And so when they were in Ireland, in my head, I was like, starting to read with an Irish accent. And then I realized that that was Bruce. And Bruce probably didn't have an Irish accent. It was a little silly. Anyway, that had nothing to do with anything. That is a funny <laughs> thought, though. <laughs> I am. I am. I, I thought the issue was fine. Uh, the art was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am not sold on Ghostmaker just yet. Um, I guess I need to know more about this character and and, and how he and Bruce come to this truth and and why all of a sudden now he feels. He needs to break that truce. Um, so I'm still in a whole pattern to see how this arc is going. Um, I'm also wondering. Well, I mean, I, I I know what I know what Holly's role is going to be because eventually, um, well, as we could see, you know, Clown Hunters looking to take her out. But um, I'm also wondering if that could have waited and we're trying to get too many things going on at one time. But I'm still in the whole pattern to see where where we're going. So I think my basic thoughts are that this is a comic with a combination of a couple of really cliched elements I didn't like with a couple of elements that I really enjoyed. And the cliched elements were... Ghostmaker's origin is kind of like exactly the same as nobody, Morgan Descartes from Peter Tomasi's Batman and Robin first arc. Um, And I think we've seen other characters like this before, just the bad uh, person who is training. I think Tom King even referenced a couple of people like this. Bad person from Bruce's training days. (laughs) Um, So that felt cliched. And I think Tynan can pull it out by giving him more details and more motivation. But so far, he's he's pretty cliched. Uh, The other thing is... You know, when Batman finds out that Ghostmaker's in town, he's like, I have to deal with this by myself. And I'm like, didn't you learn from the last arc that doing it by yourself is the wrong choice? I just feel like that's... That part pissed me off. I was like, what's the point of introducing Oracle to the story if you're just going to blow her off? Yeah, I I agree. So those two cliches kind of annoyed me. However, I I really loved Oracle. I think anyone who knows me would, would... be not surprised at all when I said that Oracle was super exciting for me to see. I also really like Carly's stuff because like giving her a new location in Little Santa Prisca. I thought Little Santa Prisca is hilarious because, you know, that's uh, Little Mexico, but it's actually Santa Prisca. So it's got that Bane connection. I just love that kind mm-hmm. of thing. It's really like Bat Burger. It just feels very <laughs> unique to DC. Um, and I thought I like the way Tynan writes Harley Quinn. I think she's really fun. Um, and the last thing is, I thought that the Ghostmaker thing is not sorry, not Ghostmaker, uh, Clown Hunter. I thought that Batman coming in to save Clown Hunter was a pretty cool moment. Um, so three cool, unique moments versus two kind of cliched, annoying things. Overall, it was it was good for me, um, but it, I mean, I definitely can see why there's a bit of. It, it definitely and, wasn't a standout, you know. But but to 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 Clown Hunters credit you saw a different side of him as well you know because before he was badass long hair don't care he stood up to batman he killed clowns left and right and yet you know here it is ghostmaker standing in front of him and he has this this look like yeah i don't like you but he has this oh crap he's about to mess me up look on his face so huh He's so little. He's just a kid killing he, people. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, so. We, we can't forget the fact that he is actually a murderer. Well, 
I suppose. <laughs> well, so is Damien, but I'm not holding that against him. I mean, I think we're supposed to hold it against Damien, and Damien is working to redeem himself. Cloud Hunter is not working to redeem himself. He's not. He's naughty. Anyway, so let's move to our next question. What do you think the best part of this issue is in that what are you most excited to see in the forthcoming issues? I'm hoping, yeah, that we'll get a little more history and story and interestingness with um, the, the other one, Ghostmaker. Um, I like Harley's relocation. I hope, yeah, that she's just not a plot device as the person to be killed. I hope she is a little more interesting coming up. So, And it's Harley, so I'm sure they're not going to waste her. And I like that Clown Hunter's a human underneath and a scared kid and that he might become more interesting too. So I'm I'm hoping that all this is setting up for more personal, not personal, but like personality moments, I guess. Character development? Is that too much to ask for? Maybe. But yeah, I, I'm hopeful for, for good characters in this story. Um, the only thing I'm hoping with Ghostmaker is that we actually get a reveal of who he is. Um, you know, of course, it's not a Tommy Elliot type character, but again, we do know it's someone from Bruce's past. So I hope we we get a name and a face to go along with it. Uh, and that's about it for Ghostmaker. But I I am more interested. Um, which is weird considering I'm not a big Harley fan, but I am interested to see uh, this three-way, if I can use that term, between... Oh, you cannot. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> between... Trio. Tri- triangle. Triangle. Between... <laughs> yeah, between her, Bruce, and, and Clown Hunter. That... that has the making of being good if JT does it right, because you got three very distinct personalities, you know, that that I think has the ability to put on a put on a good show for us by the time the arc is all said and done. Yeah, I'm I'm just not interested in Ghostmaker other than knowing who he is at the end and he can go by the wayside like designer. Oh man. I should have mentioned, um, Tynan did an interview where he revealed that the original plan for designer was that it was going to be sort of like matches Malone, Bruce, (laughs) um, trying to fool all the villains into telling them his biggest plan, uh, which I thought was actually kind of hilarious. That would have been so funny. But uh, to get back to what I'm most excited about, I mean, I already kind of mentioned it. I'm most excited to see Oracle. I want to see how she works with the Batgirls, uh, Stephanie and Cassandra. I want to see her have agency in her own plot. And I think that Tynan could do that. And I'm hoping he does because I feel like he is really building to something big. And I hope it's more than just Bruce that's going to act. So I haven't read read JT's last newsletter. Do we know if, if... Because I've seen a few articles out there in in the comic verse that that it's kind of pointing to Babs as being the new Alfred. Has JT hinted at any of that? Well, I would say that JT is looking at Babs as Oracle, and that has some overlaps with Alfred, but it's a different relationship. So right, that was course. what I got from but, it. But the role would be ish what alfred was she's not going to come do his laundry and feed right his cucumber she, sandwiches. She, she's going to be the, she's going to be the person on comms she's going to be penny one the new penny one right i i just hope that she also has her own plot line because i feel like oracle has so much potential to add her own uh, investigative flavor that alfred didn't usually I just think for that to happen, though, she needs her own book. I just, with everything that's going on. I agree, but I think that book should be (laughs) League of Batgirls. (laughs) Agreed. Okay. Uh, Next question is, how do you think that Peggy Layen's art fits with the title so far? So we, of course, have Guillaume March. We had Tony Daniel for a little bit, but he's not really on the title anymore. And then, of course, we have Jorge Jimenez for the last six issues. I thought he was great. I loved it. It was, is that, was that, would you consider that house style, I guess? I would say that it's more 
anime inflected than the house style because mm-hmm. both Jimenez and Carlo Pegulian have a real jaggedy, um, cool flavor to their art that I associate more with anime and manga than I would say house style. To me, house style is still trying to be like Jim Lee. So that would be like Tony Daniel, David Finch, Jim Lee. Whereas Jorge Jimenez has a different energy. It's similar. It still fits within DC, but it's got its own flavor. It definitely has the energy. I I liked it a lot. He does great faces. No one looks weird. There's a few bits of Harley where she changed a lot between panels. Well, that's partly because that was a different artist. (laughs) Oh, that makes sense. (laughs) Um... But I really liked it. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it as well. And, and and Ian mentioned it and and that was gonna be my point as well. He and he and Jorge are very similar in in their styles. You know, you, you could you you know, it's it, if you're gonna have villain artists or guest artists on a on a book, you know, having those artists that are similar to the main one is the best way to go because you know it, it it really helps with the flow and and i i enjoyed it you know he he and jorge doesn't have that much difference you know it, it has a little bit of an anime feel to it uh and i'm 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 on board with it completely agree i've been a huge fan of carla pegulan since he did covers for batman and robin eternal he did the magnificent cover of cassandra with the bloody bat on her face for number 13 and also a ton of covers oh i didn't know that was him it was just the cover he didn't do the interior right 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 right. no 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 Uh, no, i'm talking about the cover yeah it's one of my favorite covers from that run it's so good um, so I was really intrigued and he did Deathstroke with Priest. He did like half of the issues of that 50 issue run. And I just love his detail and he's got great composition and just real energy, very spiky. And I think that really fits with Jimenez. Um, so I'm very pleased that he's one of the rotating artists on this book. I'm also a fan of March and I think everyone knows just how much I love Jimenez. So I am really happy with the art of Batman. Um, we've already sort of covered our thoughts on Ghostmaker, so let's move to our ratings. How, oh, let me think. How many hyenas out of five would you give oh. Batman 102? Um. Because Harley wants to get hyenas in her apartment. That's what I mentioned. Uh, three and a half, I guess. I mean, the art was really, really great, and even though tons doesn't happen i think it sets up a lot of stuff and introduces a lot of characters that are feeling things and doing things and i like that so three three and a half did i say three and a half three and a half i am going to give it three hyenas uh i i I have a hyenas kind of gruesome i on the website i actually did the guest review for this issue and i gave it three and a half as well so i think that gives it three point uh, it's not 3.25. It's like 3.3 overall. Like <laughs> so I'd like to ask our loyal listeners to give us reviews on iTunes or Stitcher. We'd be happy to read those. Um, we also have had some really great conversation, both in our YouTube comment section and in the Discord. Uh, we're also open on Twitter at TBU underscore comics. Um, our email address, if you want to send us a longer form question or com- communication, is tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net. So any of those things, please give us some feedback. And we got a bunch, so we'll be reading that later tonight. Let's move on to our second review of the night, Detective Comics number 1030. <laughs> Detective Comics, number 1030, written by Peter J. Tomasi, art by Bill Quist Evely. Chris Nakano is awakened by another nightmare. He relives the events that took his eye and the life of his partner as seen in Detective Comics 1027. Nakano's wife questions whether Chris should consider his bid to run for mayor of Gotham, but Nakano is committed to the race not just for the future of the Nakano's unborn child, but also for the souls of the citizens of Gotham City. As he travels through the Gotham skies, Batman thinks over the recent events involving his son, 
who relinquished the role of Robin, as seen in Teen Titans Annual number two. Now Batman is searching for him, not only because Damien stole his black casebook, as seen in Detective Comics, but also because he feels his son is reaching out for help. Batman questions what he can do to improve himself as a father. However, before he can deal with Damien, he has a meeting to attend. Batman lands on the rooftop where Nightwing, Batgirl, Red Hood, Batwoman, Cassandra King, and the Signal await him. They each speak on the recent incidents which they've been specifically targeted by the anti-Bat movement that has been gaining momentum throughout Gotham. The family is concerned with being targeted while its members are trying to protect the city. Despite their good deeds, nothing is working with the rhetoric coming from the wannabe mayor. Before departing, Batman tells the family of Damien's departure from the Teen Titans and asks that they let him know if they make contact with the young Wayne. Duke thanks Batman for gathering the family together, but Batman claims that he didn't make call the meeting, thinking Nightwing did. Confused, the family goes quiet before Cass notices a mob forming on the streets below, screaming no more bats. The door to the roof bursts open, and a crowd, led by the mirror, charges at them. Batman and the rest of the family scatter. Inside the GCPD's cold case file room, Damien looks over some of his father's entries in the casebook, in particular those involving near-death experiences of the young Bruce Wayne. Damien begins digging through some of the police files before quickly discovering a pattern in the various folders. An officer whose name appears in each report. Cockley, Damien goes in search of the detective Katrin Podlowski. So, what are our initial reactions to Detective Comics 1030? I liked it. Um... And I'm not just saying that because Damien's in it, although it's definitely a contributing factor. The art is a little odd, but I don't know. It kind of fits with the mystery and the weirdness of the story. I kind of like Takano, Nakano, Nakano, Takano. The police officer. I think <laughs> it's Nakano. Get it right. Yeah, I think it is Nakano. Yeah, it is Nakano. Um, I kind of, I mean, I really liked the art and the coloration of of his nightmare. You kind of get to know him a little bit better as a person and why he feels the way he does, even if you don't agree with him. Um, and the whole Damien thing is really interesting because I didn't really kind of understand what the Black Case book was. And it's like literally Bruce Wayne's cases about himself and who tried to kill him as a child. So that was that was interesting. And... I don't know. I, re- I like seeing the Bat family together and all of them getting hoodwinked, even though the mob is stupid and the silver surfer dude is stupid and i didn't even realize he was in it until (laughs) theo's summary and i was like oh yeah look there's that one panel where he's there even though he was on the cover of the book whatever (laughs) um so other than the killer silver surfer guy i mirror master mirror man mirror face whatever his name is i think Um, it's just the mirror the mirror oh well whatever i really liked it a lot. I liked the issue, but I had some real concerns with it. Um, and I guess we'll, as we we go along with our discussion questions, I'll I'll touch upon them. But I am not as high on this issue as I was for ten twenty nine. Um, I'm I'm definitely not a fan of the art. Sorry, Steph. It still has promise. Uh, uh, there are just some things that just turned me off with it, and I, I guess it's it's representative in the rating I gave it in my review. I thought that overall it was a decent issue. 
I... That's the I, word I should have used. I actually... <laughs> I'm a big fan of Bilquis Evely, but I didn't like the dream sequence. I don't know what it was about it, but it didn't... It felt... I mean, it both felt unnecessary on a writing level, but it also didn't appeal to me on an art level, and I don't know quite why that was. But um, the rest of the art I thought was really good, but I'm, I'm kind of torn. Is So part of the book I thought was really frustrating, and part of it I thought was really good. And we'll, we'll get more into that, as Theo said, with the other discussion questions. But um, that's kind of my thing. I'm, I'm really torn overall. I think it's decent, but I think that's because there's one part that's very mediocre and one part that's very good. So let's move on to our first uh, official question, which is what is the more interesting storyline of the three that are teased here? The Mirror, Nakano, or Damien? Damien. Like, this is detective comics. I want a mystery. And he's the only one actually doing detective work. <laughs> and I like that. Uh, and then second would probably be Nakano, just because now that I've seen him, like, as a person, I guess I care a little bit more about what he's going to do. And then obviously, whatever he does is going to bleed over into Future State in January. Uh, and then the mirror is just Ooh, do you think that Nakano's the magistrate? I don't know. Or maybe he hires... He's got something to do with it. Get out of my head, Ian (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, definitely the mirror is... So is he... Is he designer? Or just... (laughs) Yes. Okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it it would be easy for me to say Damien's storyline is the most interesting of the three. Do it. <laughs> but actually, actually, it's Damien. Uh, <laughs> of course, I, I knew it. <laughs> I am, I am, uh, I have a little bit more interest now in Nakano's story, especially with regards to his hate for the Bat family and the mask. And, you know, just looking at it, it seems like there's more to it than just the events from Detective 27. There's just something more to it. Plus, you know, as Ian ripped from my head, it makes me wonder if, you know, we we asked last ish last episode whether or not he would win in the you know, whether he will win the mayor election and, and, you know, I want to go a step further and say, you know, is it possible he becomes the magistrate that they've been teasing for future state, you know, cause I'm just trying to figure out how the Nakano family can afford that condo penthouse place that they're living in, looking across the city of Gotham on a police salary. Um, but yeah, and a I, uniform I, salary. We're not even talking detective. It, it, yeah, I mean, they're standing out on the balcony, like, like moving on up to the east side. Um, so I, I, I think that is that is after Damien, uh, because it was the detective story, and that's my boy. That is going to be the most interesting plot point to to see from Tomasi and the mirror is just how do you spell that <laughs> I think it's p b t t exclamation point exclamation point or I'll go a step further <laughs> <laughs> add some bees um, so I I'm actually 100% on board with what you both said. I think the Damien part is the most interesting. It's the part that has the most emotional investment. It is the most detective-y, so there's that natural structure of building clues. It's just a really good structure. And it is something that I think kind of is needed. I'm still on the fence about Nakano. I'm really terrified that he's going to turn out to either be the mirror or be uh, a henchman or sort of being controlled by the mirror and that would because i also think the mirror is super boring so that would really make nakano boring by association but if they're building him to be either the magister or maybe the unborn baby is going to be the magister or something like that like i could see it be connected to future state in a real cool way our next question is 
What are your thoughts on Tomasi's depiction of the Bat family? Why do you think Tim and Steph weren't in this group? Oh, gosh. I don't know. Why was anyone in this group? I guess, so Red Hood is back in Gotham, right? And obviously Oracle is. So I guess, I mean, it's the locals, right? I guess Orphan's there without Steph. I don't. I literally don't. Maybe he's not allowed to touch him? Maybe they're... DC's got some kind of mandate on them? I don't know. Maybe there was too much purple in the panels and they didn't want to make things confusing by putting Steph in there? I don't know. Well, but how do you think that the Bat family who was there was depicted? Oh, they were fine. I mean, it was a little weird. They're all just giving their reports. And yes, we all agree. Everyone's chasing us. It's really weird. Actually, the one thing that did strike me is that wasn't the Signal's whole shtick supposed to be daytime Batman? And Yes, it was. So, and he's shown here, like, in the purple darkness, like everyone else, not during the daytime. Anyway, whatever. Um, That's partly because DC has refused to actually maintain any kind of editorial status quo on Signal, so. And yeah, he's supposed to have a superpower, like, right? He sees lens flares or something. I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) What it was? He sees light shadows, whatever that stupid thing was supposed to be. Future echoes? I don't know. But, I mean, they were okay. There was really no personality in there. It was just, hey, we're all here. Here's our reports. Oh, we're being attacked. Oh. <laughs> so it was nice to see them, but there was real, I don't think there was a need other than to show that they all got hoodwinked by the amazing Mirror Master. And, and- amazing and amazingly <laughs> sarcastic quotes, I would yes. say. So, so, so sarcastic. And that there is my problem. So let me first just say, if you're going to have Duke Thomas as, you know, on the rooftop with the Bat family, there's no excuse for not having Tim and Steph, who has much more history in the universe, especially compared to that terrible character. And Duke Thomas was will always be a terrible character to me. He was terrible in Eternal. He was terrible in We Are Robin. He was terrible in Batman and the Outsiders. He's just, he's terrible. He's a terrible character. And, and the less I see oh, of goodness. him... This is awesome. The, the less I see of him, the better I will feel. So, Yeah, poor Dookie my ass. <laughs> I do not like the character. I, it, no one has been able to give this guy a good story. No one has been able to write him. And the reason why is he's not a good character. So let him die where he lay, please, for my sake. Sean Murphy. There you go. Yeah, I like that dude a lot. Well, okay. He made him a veteran and an older guy. (laughs) Okay, we're talking about a different character who was awesome. Yes. Yes, he's a different character who is awesome. But in the main continuity, Duke Thomas is a terrible, terrible character. And. No one has been able to do anything with him simply because he's a terrible character. Second, since when is the fat bat family just a bunch of nitwits who can be duped by some no name guy in a reflective suit? Did 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 no one think that they could possibly get be getting set up? They got their comms hijacked come on i just have a major problem with how the family was depicted in this issue is as if no one was on their a game and that that was probably my main issue with 10 10 30 that probably caused my rating to be as low as it was you know everything else could have been everything else was fine with this issue but those few pages of of the interactions with the family add to the fact that I didn't like how they were drawn as well. So it that there did not sit well with me. I will say that's the one place where the art kind of eh, for me was, was was the family. I was like, oh well. Mm. So I was going to go on a big rant, but then Theo did it for me, so I don't have to. <laughs> do it. Do <laughs> it. I mean, no, do the thing is basically that. I I completely agree with everything Theo said, except I don't hate Duke quite as much, but it is true that he's been around for five years 
and they still haven't managed to make him the most interesting part in any story he's been in. Like, that's the thing that you need to have is, I want to know more about this character, but I never wanted to know more. I don't hate him, but the main character in We Are Robin and his storyline was just kind of cliche and he didn't have a real personality because he was kind of like resisting the call. If you're doing a story on the structure of We Are Robin, you can't have him resisting the call for the whole first arc when you only get two arcs. That's just not good structure. Everything Theo said was true. (laughs) Theo is wise and you should listen to him. I think that the Bat family... Everyone thinking someone else, that's like a comedy thing. That's a sitcom. And I I didn't think that was the quality of plotting that Tomasi usually puts into his work. And so I was disappointed with that. And you could see it in the rest of the issue, especially in the Nakano part, especially in the Damien piece. That was a nice development of a story to lead us into the next issue. Yes. It it was good stuff. I'm curious about both those plots. But this, this Batman and Mirror stuff and the family being idiots... I'm not interested in that. Especially when you're going from Oracle being Oracle in Batman, and then you flip the page to tech, and it's like, someone hijacked our car. I'm Batgirl. (laughs) I don't know how to use a computer. (laughs) It's like we're back in Batgirl number 50. Oh, God, no. (laughs) Shoot Um, me now. Okay, so... Let us get to our ratings out of, let's see, we did masks last time. So what are we going to do this time for our ratings? Um, Aging lunatics? Oh, case books. How many case ah. books out of five case so, books? So, 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 so wait, so before, before we do our ratings, let me, let me, Ian, and you could, you could probably help me with this. But from my understanding of the case book, and, and I kind of, touched on in my review as well. This must be a new take on it because from my understanding of what the Black Case book was, these were Batman mysteries, Batman cases of outworldly form, you know, may have been magical, you know. Hallucinogens, experiments that he participated in. Yeah, you know, who tried to kill Bruce Wayne at a young age wasn't a part of the history of the casebook, unless I'm missing something. I agree. This is a new aspect to the idea of the Black Casebook. I would theorize that, I mean, the cases that we hear about wouldn't necessarily have to take up a whole casebook. So we could just say that all the stuff that Grant Morrison referred, because Grant Morrison is the one who sort of created the Black Casebook. So all the stuff Grant Morrison was talking about with the drugs and Dr. Hurt and the three Batman experiments, that could be like the second half of the casebook. And Tomasi's dealing with the first half of the casebook, which is his cases before he became Batman. So I could I could definitely see it working, but it is a new element. It's an additional element that I don't think we've seen before. Good to know I'm not that crazy. Of course not. I just said you were wise. Uh, so out of casebooks, how many right. would we give Detective Comics 1030? You know, I don't... Yes, the Bat Family stuff was stupid. And it wasn't all that great. And there's a lot of people missing. And there's a lot of people there that probably shouldn't be there. But that actually didn't bother me that much. Probably mainly because lately in, like, every book we've been getting these random, non-necessary conglomerates. That's not the word. Conferences? Committee meetings? Yeah. Family meetings. For no reason that don't really result in anything. So it's kind of par for the course at this point. So I don't know. I just really like the detective work. I liked the art. I know it's not like, I don't know if it's good storytelling art, but it's good like, I don't know, dream art, I guess. Which is, which is appropriate since Bilquis Evely was on the dreaming for the last two years. Yeah. So, so, you know, I'd say... A good healthy three and a half out of out of five. Maybe not four, but three and a half out of five. The art and I just can't I can't forgive how the Bat family was depicted in this issue. So when you take that into account and how I was not a fan and am not a fan of the art and it's kinda of unfortunate that it's that uh Ivoli is back for the next issue as well. Uh, so I'm not 
that excited about that. Um, I gave this I gave this a two and a half on the site. I'm a bit surprised. I gave this a three out of five. Um, so I'm not sure. What's the math on that? It's about three and a out of five. Okay. Um, so that's Detective Comics 1030. We have a bunch of listener feedback, so I'm really excited about this. So go ahead, Steph, and read us our feedback. Okay. Sorry to interrupt, Master Booth. Ringing your phone now. This needs my attention. Sean Wolf left us quite a few comments on the Discord. He said, I loved the episode, Batfam. You were asking about unusual team-ups. I have a few that come to mind. I would love to see Cassandra teaming up with Deathstroke. Very ninja-like story with high action. I also wouldn't mind a Nightwing-Batwing team-up. No, the best would be a triple team-up of Batgirls, Babs in her original suit, Stephanie in her suit, and Cassandra in the mouthless suit. If we were to have any of the Batgirls appear on the TV show Titans, which one would you choose? I think I know what you would, Ian, pick. Would pick. Great discussion on the various Batwings in the podcast channel on the Discord. Thank you so much for, for, for reaching out. That was awesome. Thank you for answering the question of the week. Um, Did I watch Titans? I think I did. I did watch Titans. <laughs> That's how much of an impact it made on me. Uh... They would have probably picked Barbara. They always just pick the main one. But I know I'd like to see Steph just because that's my name and I like to see myself. And she's not really been in anything, right? She's had like two that lines. That is correct. Young Justice. And I am a little salty about this. <laughs> so that would be my pick just because purple is my favorite and Steph is my name. And I'm getting a little I am tired of Barbara. I Go am ahead. definitely on board with, uh, I would definitely pick up a, cast Deathstroke book that would be that would be quite awesome especially if it's a cast chasing Deathstroke instead of them teaming up uh, but I could see those two teaming up as well I think yeah that Cassandra and Deathstroke has so many conflict and also you know because Ravager has a very similar backstory in some ways to Cass it's got some some real potentials for connection as well as conflict. So good idea. And Nightwing, Batwing, I, I mean, the wings, that'd be a cool little boy band group. Um, if I was going to see blue. someone on Titans, of course, I'd definitely pick Tim and Steph. Um, I also wouldn't mind seeing Damien or John or both of them. Like there's tons of good characters that you could put on. If Damien and John were on, I would die. I'm Except happy. that it's such a dark show that I wouldn't really it want is. Damien and John to do that. So that's a, that's a hard one. Yeah. So thank you for your, your comment, Sean. And I've really enjoyed talking with you on the Discord. So keep that. Keep going. We're glad you're listening and getting to know us. I, I think I think it would be easier to see Damien and John on the new Superman and Lois show than it yeah, is. Yeah. Because isn't time. Lois supposed to be like pregnant or something? Well, I think she's pregnant with John, but aren't they supposed to have another kid on there as well? I mean, I've you know, only seen clips, so I don't. I don't. Really I, 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 yeah, me too. And but I can't remember. But I thought that there was a second, a second kid that's going to be around that they promised to watch for someone. I can't remember if it was someone that was taken from Earth or someone that was taken from uh, the planet that they were on. Uh, that they promised to watch, but it, it, someone's going to be with John. So maybe they decide to name him Damien. I don't know. I love Damien's character on Harley Quinn show. <laughs> they like de-age him so much. And he's adorable. <laughs> he's such a little jerk. So I haven't, I haven't watched Harley Quinn. So now that you're telling me that Damien is Damien's on it and he's such a little, ass and he's so cute <laughs> i was raised by an elite group of assassins from birth and you're a clown and an old one of that what are you 30 i think he's only in one episode but it's good <laughs> he has more interaction with superman though which is also pretty funny but anyway so don wolf says, as a librarian, like my beloved Babs Gordon, it's so nice to hear that from you guys. I'm in Brazil, but being the librarianship team of heroes is always good to know we are protecting and saving the comics for you. Aw. Thank you, Don. 
Yeah, I am really happy to hear we've got some Brazilian listeners. There's so yeah. many great Brazilian artists and fans, so I'm I'm really glad to have uh, community. And you know, I think Bilquis Evely is also a Brazilian artist, and of course, you've got Eddie Barrows and uh, Ed Benes, and just so many great DC artists from Brazil. So awesome to have you listening and. I am a huge fan of librarians, so keep the good work going. And I'm a huge fan of Brazil. I hope to go one day. So Sean Wolf also found us on YouTube, and on episode 19, he commented and said, I love the Batman universe. I have been listening for years. I love this team of hosts. I haven't sent them my thoughts, but I do appreciate all of their insights into the comments. I hope that Batman comics get better, but it is always up and down. Batman and the Bat family are the best teams around. The history really makes me believe. Thank you, Batman Universe. And on episode 16, he reached out in two and said, Thank you, Bat fam. Just read The Curse of the White Knight. Crazy good. Then read The Last Knight. Not such a big fan, but maybe I just didn't understand it. I love all the illustrations, but everyone looks like Bruce. <laughs> Those are excellent uh, comments. I think that... I, was I definitely, last night the one with Joker in a jar? Yes, that was the Scott uh, Snyder, uh, Gregor Pula one. I did not read that one. <laughs> I, I, I read it because I was hoping, and my hopes were disappointed. <laughs> so <laughs> You did not miss a thing. I not in my book. Just, I think there's a very, not I don't want to say small. It, it's not small, but there's a very committed and full wallet version of a collection of people that love Snyder and all of his things and that is good I'm glad they do yeah I only read it because it was supposed to be their last Batman story and uh, yeah I fell for that one again <laughs> thanks Snyder it just doesn't feel like a last Batman story to me yeah and, and that, whole, on... that whole reveal was dumb Omega <laughs> that was oh yes okay keep going before we get too mad <laughs> <laughs> and then Scott uh, Walden, who is uh, a wonderful member of the TBU family, uh, said on Twitter, I love at Batman for life's idea of That's Detective Theo, Jim and Batman. That's Theo. Yep. I uh, would That's also me. want this you would also want to see Orphan and Damien in some sort of assassin centric storyline. Great podcast to everyone, as always. You know. Damien has a lot of things either in common or, or um, oh, what's the word? Conversely related? No, what's the word? Complimentary? <laughs> uh, with with a lot of the Bat family. Like, he, he fits with them either in a complimentary, that's what I'm looking for, or, or a similarly way. And it's, I like that about him. It's one of the reasons I like him so much. Like him and Steph? Awesome. Him and Cassandra? Probably awesome. Him and Dick? Fabulous. You know, him and Bruce? My Not so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 when it comes to Damien, I don't think I don't think there is any relationship like the one he had, the one he had, the one he has uh, with, with Dick, that those two are, those personify what brothers are like between those two. I mean, I, I think I, Morrison said it best. We were the best, Richard. Yeah, I, 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 I love those two together. But I would definitely be on board, just like with uh, Cass and Deathstroke. I would definitely be on board with a Cass and Damien um, team up. The only problem is uh, Damien would talk through the entire issue unless we were able to get Cass's vocabulary uh, up a little more, which seems to be like it's back completely because she's just a talkative person now. If you follow, if you followed yeah. in in Outsiders and even in, in this last issue, it's talking like nothing, nothing's ever been wrong. Um, but they have got to get rid of that orphan name. It's just I, I, I despise that name. I hate that name. It just it it. It's demeaning to the character. So the, the sooner we can get the Batgirls, the happier I will be. <laughs> and we could just call them Batgirl Cass and Batgirl Steph and just Batgirl. All right. So our question of the week is going to be, who would win, Ghostmaker or the Mirror? 
Well, okay, so Mirror's power look appears to be in rallying up morons and making them do his bidding. So probably Ghostmaker if you're talking a one-on-one fight because Ghostmaker almost took out young Bruce and is doing holding his own right now against Batman. So, you know, if that's what you're talking about, then him. But if they had time to plan and strategize, I don't know. Maybe the mirror could make <laughs> make Gotham hate. Maybe the Ghost mirror Maker. has magic stupid powers and he stupid would make Ghostmaker stupid. stupid. <laughs> and have him have the whole city of Gotham attack him. Attack Ghostmaker and then uh, there you go. I don't, I don't like either of them. They both should fall in a pit. They should fall in that pit in the desert that, that Bruce fell in and we don't know who came out. <laughs> <laughs> and we spent months arguing about who came out of the pit first. I don't understand why it's so important. (laughs) All I will say is, no matter who wins, we lose. (laughs) No, no, no. This is not Alien versus Predator. I I don't care. This is more like (laughs) Doofus versus Dullard. I don't care. Push them both off the building, (laughs) and whoever lands last wins. <laughs> I don't like and again we 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 may get more from JT and Tomasi down the line that will change our thoughts on these two but right now this is this is designer this is designer level bad talk about the right? designer's outfit <laughs> He's wearing a reflective suit. How, how creative is that? Uh, and of course, reflection. Metallic looks so good in 2D animation. I wear this so that, not to hide who I am, but for you to see who you are. <laughs> Bad. So uh, I, uh, I tend to agree. I am... I'm liking Ghostmaker a bit more than I'm liking Mirror, so I would want him to win. But uh, I do echo my co-host's thoughts that it would be nice if both of them fought each other and the Bat family could fight someone interesting. And it doesn't have to be a classic villain, but it has to be someone a little more interesting than these two clouds. All right, so I want to thank our patrons. You help us keep the server going, so I want to thank... Patron! Yeah. So, Gerald Green. Joshua Lappin-Bertoni, Rob O, Real No Deuces, Tim Garassi, Stephanie Mounts, Donovan Morgan-Grant, Ian Miller, Stanton's Grave, Donald Townsend, Theodis Wright, Ed Grouse, Brendan Roberts, Hannah Gar, Captain America, Mary Garrett, Austin Davis, Johnny McCloskey, Sam Isag, and Cody. Thank you all. I hope that you will check out our Patreon-exclusive cast this week, uh, this month. Sorry, not this week. This month, we're going to be doing all three issues of Three Jokers. So please check out our Patreon cast for our exciting take on that story. We will be back in a couple of weeks to cover Detective Comics number 1031 and Batman 103. So until next time, I've been Ian. This was Steph. And this is still Theo. (laughs) Indeed. And thank you for listening.